Well, I, I've been sharing uh, with my wife, but I also shared it in Cutler, that I really believe I have a word for this year. Uh, th- like, un- unlike other times when I'm, okay, I think this is the way I'm should go, I have no doubt this is the word for this year out of Nehemiah 4, 13 and 14. And I believe you're going to be equipped by God's word throughout this year to know how to fight, not just fight, uh, uh, but fight specifically in for areas in your life, in my life, where we need growth in. You're going to learn how to fight for, not with, your brothers in Christ. You're going to learn to fight for your sons, your daughters, not fight with. You're going to learn how to fight for your wives, not fight with. You're going to learn how to fight for, and he said, your houses in verse 14. That means whatever property, whatever God has given you the stewardship over, you got to fight for it because God not only wants you to preserve it, he wants to multiply it. How many believe that? And so we're going to be equipped through God's word to fight. But today we're going to notice in Nehemiah's instructions that he did something practical before he encouraged and exhorted them to fight. We're looking at Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, and I'm reading out of the New King James. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says, Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings It says, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome. And what? Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters your wives, and your houses. Now, if you haven't noticed, my shirt is buttoned up all the way to the top. I normally don't do that. But this morning I was inspired by Ozzy. And then his brother came, Joshua, here. And I saw, oh, it's a Gonzalez thing. So I buttoned up all the way. Used to do it with penalties. Now it's just a regular shirt. All right. Now, my wife and I customarily, uh, throughout the week, we go and walk and exercise uh, jogging at an orchard. And uh, this orchard is a place that I really enjoy because it's a time of contemplation and a time of uh, fruitful exercise. But also, there used to be a field across that orchard that we used to go to. And uh, this time, this past week, I took a pic of what a sign that they put up there. You can see it there. It says, private property. And then it says, no trespassing. Violators will be prosecuted. That's a field we used to go to and do our walk and our run. Uh, But then they asked us one day if we would not. And I guess to ensure that we got the message, then they put up these signs there. But let me tell you something, that sign cannot stop me from going to the field. Uh, honestly, I have not gone back except when there were workers in the orchards where we go normally picking. Then we would go, and I'd see the sign, but I saw nothing that intimidated me by that sign, and thereby I, be, I would go and walk. Your pastor is confessing. Now, speaking of no trespassing signs, 
There's a no trespassing sign in West Texas with the rancher's name signed in blood right next to the warning. And then posted on that sign are these words. Stop. I know you're thinking about crossing this gate. What you should know is that if the coyotes, cactus, mesquite, heat, dust, or rattlers don't get you, I will. That's a sign with authority behind it. Now notice what Nehemiah did. He noticed as he was seeking to rebuild the wall that there were areas in that wall that were areas of vulnerability. Also, there were openings in that wall that would give access to their enemies that opposed their rebuilding project. So Nehemiah took action. And instead of posting a sign He posted a man. He posted a person. But he posted an armed man in every place of opening, in every place of vulnerability. This is important. He did something practical as they were doing something that was ordered by God, rebuilding the wall. And I want to say to some of us that are here today, we find ourselves stuck or we find ourselves in a position where we're not making advances in areas that we know are broken in our lives and we wonder why is it that in spite of the fact that I pray, in spite of the fact that I come to church, in spite of the fact that I have good intentions, that I'm not experiencing breakthrough in this area of brokenness in my life. And what you need to know, if you're a child of God, victory is guaranteed in the Lord and through the Lord. However, that victory not only entails or includes or involves His power, it requires yours and mine participation. Victory is guaranteed. But it's not just based on His power, it's based on our participation with what He instructs us to do. You see, I've discovered in my journey with the Lord that the reason why I'm experiencing going from brokenness to wholeness is not just because of the supernatural, but also because of the application of the practical. Hmm. So Nehemiah... He not only prayed for God to give them success, he did something practical. He set men, armed men, in those places of vulnerability and open, and those places of access to their enemy. So I want to give you this morning two practical things in order to experience the defeating of your enemy who is opposing the rebuilding of your life. First of all, To defeat the enemy, I need to post protective measures. Let me say that again. To defeat the enemy, I need to post protective measures. What do you mean, Pastor? The fact of the matter is, regardless of who you are, you have areas of vulnerability and weaknesses in your life. I have areas of vulnerability 
and weaknesses in my life. And in order for me to experience the closing of those access points where the enemy can come in and thereby begin to establish a base of operation, in order for me to gain victory, I've got to post some protective measures. And so I want to give you some protective measures. The first of which is honesty. Say honesty. Honesty. One day, uh, in fact, it was on a Sunday that a pastor preached a sermon on honesty. Monday morning, he took the bus to get to his office. He paid the fare, and the bus driver gave him back too much change. During the rest of the journey, the pastor thought of how amazing God had provided him with some extra money that he needed for the week. But he just could not live with himself. So before he got off the bus, he proceeded to give back the extra money to the bus driver. And he said, you have made a mistake. You've given me too much change. The driver smiled and said, there was no mistake. I was at your church yesterday, and I heard you preach on honesty. So I decided to put you to the test this morning. Honesty is the best policy. Now, the psalmist put it this way in Psalm 51, verse 6, regarding God's will for our lives. But you want me to be completely good and honest. You want to teach me to be wise in the way that I live. I'm saying to us that some of the areas in our lives where we're experiencing complete and utter defeat in are the result of our lack of honesty. You know how it is. I know how it is that when I try to convince my wife that I'm not angry when I really am, and she's trying to help me to come to the place of repentance to acknowledging that I am angry, and she said, but I, you are angry. And all the while I'm saying, no, I'm not angry. Why y'all laughing? Because my own tone and my own reaction confirms what she's telling me, right? And the breakthrough will only happen when you and I are willing to be not only honest with God, but honest with ourselves about areas in our lives that need improvement. Honest with ourselves about the fact that in this area, they're not the problem, I'm the problem. Stay like that. You're confirming that this was the word I needed to preach. Yeah, I don't get nervous when people get quiet. I get excited. It's like, oh, yes, I'm on the right track. So say honesty. And it's not only honesty with God and with yourself, but with others. Then the second practical measure that you and I need to post if we want to defeat the enemy is transparency. Say transparency. Transparency means openness. It means keeping nothing hidden, keeping nothing secret that is hurting or harming us. You see, one of the the, the titles that is given to the enemies that you and I are fighting against in spiritual warfare, according to Paul in Ephesians 6.12, is rulers of the darkness of this world. And Satan's kingdom is characterized as the kingdom of darkness. 
And I want you to understand this because this opened my eyes when I discovered that the devil can only rule over areas in my life where I'm keeping something in the dark. The devil can only rule over darkness. He can only rule over those things that we keep hidden in the dark. This is why transparency is so important. And then the third thing for us to post as a preventive measure in order to defeat the enemy is accountability. Say accountability. Accountability. If you and I want to have victory in our lives and defeat the enemy, we got to learn how to walk in accountability. We need to practice openness and accountability. This is one thing we desperately need the most. And the one thing that we resist the most. We need support. Some things in life are just too hard to do on your own. We need people to come alongside of us and encourage us. Whether you are dieting or exercising or trying to change a bad habit in your life, we all need people in our lives to support us. We all need people in our lives to encourage us and to ask us some hard questions about whether we are really following through on our commitment to change. What I've discovered in the church is we don't talk about a lot of stuff that really matters in our day-to-day lives, such as sex, money, parenting, jobs, emotional battles like loneliness, anxiety, depression, unresolved anger, jealousies. No, 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 you're, you're confirming. It's okay. I want to challenge us. Let's pop the top off our dirty little secrets and start holding each other accountable. Let's start encouraging and edifying one another. The Bible says this in 1 John 1, 7, a verse that God used to change my life. But if we walk in the light, say in the light, That's transparency. That's honesty. That's accountability. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And, watch this, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us, literally ever is cleansing us from all sin. If we want the cleansing, the washing of the blood, it's not just based on me confessing to God my sin. If there's an area of weakness, of vulnerability in my life in which the enemy has been allowed because of me not filling in the gap or posting a protective measure in that place of access, I'm giving him the right to build a base of operation in my life whereby he's able to construct a stronghold. But the Bible says if I walk in the light, in honesty, if I walk in transparency and accountability, then I will have fellowship with my brothers and the result of that is a sharing of his life flowing from my life to your life from his life to your life to my life and the result is not only are we growing closer but then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin 
It's not either or. It's both and. And this is where we miss it in the church. People say, oh, well, I'll just confess to the Lord. And you know why we're happy and, and, and content with that? Because we feel like He won't tell. But sometimes we have to confess to somebody else. James says it in James 5.16. In order that we can experience our healing in our lives. This is what I've had to do. In those areas of vulnerability. In those areas of weakness. Being willing to confess to a brother. Hey, I'm battling here. I've tried this, I've tried that, but I need accountability. Would you help me? I see you're winning in this area. I want to win there. Would you share with me what God has taught you in your journey to overcoming in that area? I want to do it. Hmm. What are you saying, Pastor? Shut the front door. Shut the back door. Shut the side door. I want victory. Then shut every door. Every point of access. Now, let me ask you. How many of you have ever heard the song, Your Cheating Heart? A country song, Your Cheating Heart. Okay, I see a few hands. Your Cheating Heart. It's a song written and recorded in 1952 by Hank Williams. He was a country music singer and songwriter. However, the song was released after his death in 1953. Your Cheating Heart is considered one of the greatest songs of country music. The song is a slow ballad telling an unfaithful lover of the guilt that she felt for cheating on the singer. The story goes that Williams was prompted to write the song when thinking about his first wife, Audrey Williams, while driving around with his second wife, Billie Jean Williams. She was supposed to have written down the lyrics for him in the passenger seat. When it was released, it remained in the number one slot in country music for six weeks. Rolling Stone ranked it at number 213 on their list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. In 2003, country music television ranked the song number five in CMT's 100 greatest songs in country music, but gave it the number one rating in the 40 greatest done me wrong cheating songs. (laughs) Ray Charles. Patsy Cline, Elvis Presley, and Louis Armstrong are just a few who have recorded the song. Your Cheating Heart was the title of the 1964 movie of Hank Williams' life with George Hamilton playing the part of Williams. I say all that to point this out. Your Cheating Heart could have been the theme song for King Solomon. Solomon had everything imaginable working in his favor. At first, it seemed as if Solomon would gratefully follow God. He began by greatly pleasing the Lord. And the Lord poured out blessings on this man like no one since or before. Yet by the end of his reign, he had squandered away nearly every advantage 
And it's this Solomon who penned the words that we find in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your direction will be determined by what you allow into your heart. This is why we need to post guards around the entry points of our hearts. Do you want to defeat the devil? Then post preventive measures through honesty, transparency, and accountability. Listen to me. You cannot rebuke a devil that you continuously grant access to your life. Let me say that again. You cannot rebuke a devil that you continuously grant access to your life. Here's the second exhortation for you and I to experience victory over the devil to defeat the enemy. I must live a submitted life. To defeat the enemy, I must live a submitted life. Speaking of submission, there were two lines of husbands in heaven. One for the dominant husbands, and the other line was for the passive submissive husbands. The submissive line extended almost out of sight. But there was one man in the dominant husband line. He was small, timid, and appeared anything but a dominant husband. When the angel asked him why he was in this line, he said, My wife told me to stand here. (laughs) Submission. That word has received such a bad reputation that we rarely use it. But what is submission? It is the willful act of yielding to the power, control, or authority of another. Again, submission. The willful act of yielding to the power, control, or authority of another. And the Bible reveals that submission is a voluntary act. It is the critical part of the learning process. Submission is a key concept in the Bible. To be true followers of Jesus, we must learn to be submissive. Here's what James says in James 4, verses 6 and 7. But he, that is God, gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace To the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There are believers that don't understand. Well, I've been resisting the devil, but I'm still not gaining victory. But don't forget to apply the first part. Before you resist the devil, you got to be sure you're submitting to God. And why do I submit to God? Because God gives grace. And grace is more than favor. It's a force. In fact, grace can also be defined as supernatural imparted ability. 
Who does God give supernatural imparted ability? Those that humble themselves. Those that admit, I need help beyond my own. I need help outside of what I can do. I need you, God. He resists the proud. He opposes the proud. Who are the proud? The proud that the proud are those that live independently. The proud are those that say, I don't need nobody to tell me what to do in my life. I don't need nobody to gain victory in my life. But did you know that Jesus himself lived a submitted life? In John 14.30, he said this. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world. He's talking about the devil. The ruler of this world is coming. Watch this. And he has nothing in me. What is Jesus saying? The devil's coming. He's coming against me. But there's nothing in my life that he can get a handle on. There's nothing in my life that he can get hold of and thereby be able to dominate me. There's nothing. Why could he say that? Look at John 5.30 in the ESV. John 5.30 in the ESV. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's Jesus. He says, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Read Jesus throughout the gospel. He also said, I don't say anything out of my own initiative. I only say what the Father says. And I only do what the Father is doing. He lived his life completely submitted to the will of the Father. Even as he's getting ready to go up Golgotha's hill and offer his life as the ultimate sacrifice. Before that, just before that, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and three times. He prayed that prayer that we're familiar with. Father, if it is at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but thy will be done. Jesus, throughout his walk on earth, lived completely submitted to the will of the Father. And the result was was this. Not only was he turning over control and authority unto the Father, but he was living under the the, the covering of the Father. This is what you need to know. When you come and submit your life to God, not only are you under His control and authority, but you're also under His covering, His protection, His preservation. He'll be a shield around you, and He'll He'll keep you from the trickery of the enemy in your life. But you've got to submit to the Lord. It's been stated, if you dance... With the devil, the devil don't change. The devil changes you. Compromise will lead to your demise. It will lead to your death. It will lead to your defeat. Compromise will lead to your demise. Pastor Greg Laurie has stated... That one of the problems we have in the church is we have too many mugwumps. You know what a mugwump is? They used to call them fence sitters. You're on the fence. Part of you, your mug is over one side of the fence and your wump is on the other side of the fence. Mugwumps. 
You're trying to be neutral instead of go all in. But when you're a mugwump, the devil's going to defeat you. Oh, but when you say, Lord, I'm tired of running the show. You're the one who's large and in charge, and I'm going to submit to you. Not only will he guide your steps, but he will preserve you in your walk. He will watch over you. Not only will he lead you in the way that you should go, he will lead you to promised land living, where you will experience the fullness of life that Jesus made possible. Tell somebody, close the door. You gotta close the door. There was a Haitian pastor who illustrated to his congregation the need for total commitment to Christ. And he did so by sharing this parable. He stated that there was a certain man who wanted to sell his house in Haiti for $2,000. Another man wanted to badly buy it. But because he was poor, he couldn't afford the full price. After much bargaining, the owner agreed to sell the house for half the original price with just one stipulation. He would retain ownership of one small nail protruding or coming out from just over the door. For several years, the original owner wanted, after several years, however, the original owner wanted the house back, but the new owner was unwilling to sell. So... The first owner went out and he found the carcass of a dead dog. And he hung it from the single nail he still owned. Soon the house became unlivable. And the family was forced to sell the house back to the owner of the nail. Here was the Haitian pastor's conclusion. If we leave the devil... With even one small peg in our life, he will return to hang his rotting garbage on it, making it unfit for Christ's habitation. Paul said it clearly in Ephesians 4.27, Neither give place to the devil. Place topos. Don't give him a base of operation. Because if you even give the devil a toehold, the toehold will become a stronghold. Quit lying to yourself. Quit telling yourself, I'll get over it next week. I'll overcome it next week. You haven't done it for 5, 10, 20 years all by yourself. You got a nail that you need to remove and say no more. And if you're a child of God, you need to remember, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you need to tell the devil, serve the eviction notice and tell him, no more, no more weekends. No more am I going to give in to your lies and let you rent space or lease space. I'm not for sale. I've been bought completely through the blood of Jesus Christ. Why are you so passionate, Pastor? Because I know that victory is yours. Victory is mine. But it doesn't just come through His power. It comes through participation. Through submission. I've already told this story. And I'm making myself vulnerable by telling it 
on live stream. But I'm not afraid because I've conquered. One day I was being requested to friendship on Facebook. And uh, my normal practice is if somebody wants to be my friend, I check to see if I have any friends that are already friends with that person, right? And so I saw that there was a person who had already friended this person, so I said, okay, I'll friend this person. But after friending that person, a picture came up of a person I didn't know. And uh, you know how people like to take selfies? Well, this person took a selfie with nearly nothing on except their nightwear. The least of what they needed for their nightwear. And boom, that picture was imprinted in my mind. And then I deleted... But already in my mind, I was feeling shame. And the enemy began to attack and say, you're defeated. Mind you, I wasn't feeding anything, but I knew this is like a trigger. And for about an hour, I was feeling a battle within with shame and guilt. And then I did what I customarily do when I'm dealing with a crisis like that. I called my accountability partner. And I said, this is what I did. I saw this and it's impacting me. And I said, I don't, I don't want to follow through on anything like that. And my accountability said, I know. I know. I know who you are. And I said, but I need you to pray with me. And I need you in the next couple of days to follow up and check with me. See how I'm doing. You see, what you need to understand is I'm aware of the fact that in the church, not in the world, but in the church, there's problem. There's a problem with pornography, not just with men, but with women. Now, the percentages are high. And what I want you to understand is Pastor Angel and my adolescence struggled with lust because I was exposed to the pornography of our day through a friend. But I'm determined that when my family lays me down to rest in the ground, my son, my daughters, my grandchildren, will be able to say he not only admitted his struggle but he overcame it and he honored God running faithful to the end but in that area as well as in other areas it has not just been the power of God it has been my participation in carrying out what he's told me to do post a guard. Post a guard of honesty. Post a guard of transparency. Post a guard of accountability. In those areas that are the lower parts in your wall. Those places of vulnerability. Post a guard. Walk in honesty before me. 
but walk in honesty before others. And then, as you submit to me, I will cover you. I will preserve you. I will protect you. I don't know what may be an issue in your life, but I do know that God is a solution and that he's provided the solution in his word for whatever area is a vulnerability, an area in which you know this is a weakness that I can't beat on my own and I need to do something about it. God will help you if you're willing to follow through. What I'm saying to you, we sang about it. There will be breakthrough, but we've learned breakthrough happens through follow through. Not just through a song, not just through a good intention, but through the application of what he tells you to do. You will experience his working. Father, I thank you for speaking through your word to our hearts. I know you've spoken to me. I know that you challenged me anew. Keep your guard up. Keep those preventive measures in place. Keep walking in the light. Keep walking in honesty, transparency, and accountability. And so, Father, I'm praying today, as I've been praying throughout this week, for individuals that are in this building as well as those watching online who truly want to defeat the enemy instead of being defeated by him. And yet, there's been a struggle. Yet, through the revelation of your word and the principles of your word, you have illuminated their hearts and minds today to reveal there's some practical things that need to be set in motion to experience. Not only an initial but an ongoing victory in your life. Honesty, transparency, accountability. I want you to know that God is for you. He's made all things possible for you and I to be free. From any hurt, any habit, any hang-up that would seek and be used to hold us back from progressing in our walk with Him and in walking into the fullness of what He's promised us to experience in our journey with Him. want you to know that God is for you and we are for you I'm for you I don't stand up here as somebody that claims to be perfect because I know I said it in Cutler I know I'm not 
But one thing I will say to you is I'm willing to be perfected. On the daily, I keep coming back to my Father saying, Father, thank you for what you've done. And then I invite him as the potter. Please keep fashioning and forming me because I know there are imperfections in my life where I need your sanctifying work carried out. Here I am again. And I've seen that result in ongoing change. The Bible says it. That He'll take us from glory to glory. By His Spirit, He'll transform us into the very image of Jesus. But it's when we come with an unveiled face, no covering, no trying to hide, no trying to cover up something that needs to be exposed, but coming in honesty, transparency, and accountability before Him, saying, Lord, here, right here, in this area, I need Your grace. And for some of us, it's not just an action that we've been committing that is hurting us. Others of us, it's an attitude that we're holding on to. An attitude of pride. An attitude of unresolved anger or unforgiveness. We're not willing to forgive. We've let unforgiveness intrude and invade and build a stronghold in our lives. And God is saying... You need to exercise the authority I've given you and get that out. You need to bring it before me in honesty. You need to name the fact that that's in you right now. If you want me to cleanse you. And then if it's an ongoing struggle, you need to get into an accountability with somebody that's overcome in that area. Don't let pride hold you back. I'm telling you. Pride, it does come before the fall. Pride does lead in destruction trying to think that we can do it on our own. We were never meant to live this life independently. God provides a way for us to overcome. Are we willing to take it? So right now, I'm going to invite those of you that would say, Pastor, I realize today there are some areas where I need to post some preventive measures. Some of you would say, I, I need to post honesty or transparency or accountability. Some of you would say, I need to get honest with God about what I've been holding on to in my heart. I need Him to cleanse me of it. That's you. I want to invite you forward to this altar, this front area. And and I'll remind you of what I say over and over again. This is a no-shame zone. There's mercy here. There's grace here. God extends it to you right now. And He wants to help you at this point of need. He wants to give you the freedom that is available. If you want that, you, you make your way forward. You wait. You make your way forward. You say, but what, what, what would others think? you got to come to the point like I did. I could care less what others thought because I was thinking, this is about my life. This is about my future. This is about me experiencing what God said I could have. I want it. I don't care what anybody thinks. I need it and I want it for me because it's what God says I can experience. That's you. You come. This is your moment. This altar is open right now. Come. There's freedom here. There's deliverance here. There's healing for you here. 
there's restoration here. You come. You bow or you just present yourself. There's prayer warriors ready to assist as well. We're going to agree. We're going to come in agreement. Yes, Lord. As this song is sung, you make your way up. Those of you that still know you need to be here, you come, come, come. And those of you online, you turn to God right now. Get honest with God. And ask Him, Lord, what do I need to do? What is it you would have me to do? What do I need to post in my life as a preventive measure? What's the next step? Here I am, yielding to you. Thank you, Lord.